Uh, Matt began last week our discussion of Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. We are in John 14 as Jesus is preparing the disciples for his departure. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. It is perhaps one of the most profound scenes in the Gospel of John, and Sally sort of set it up for you with the children. It's Jesus who's been hauled before Pilate, and he tells Pilate that he is here for the truth and to testify the truth. And Pilate responds with that classic question, what is truth? What is truth? It's a great question. And many of us spend part of our lives seeking that answer, or we send our children to class, or or go to class looking for that answer. What is truth? A great question. But notice what Pilate does. Pilate asks the question, then he walks out of the room. I want to tell you one thing very clearly this morning as we begin. You cannot discover the truth walking away from Jesus. Jesus made the claim this morning, I am the truth. Now I know, I know there's been a lot written and there will still be things written that Jesus really didn't think he was who we thought he was or who Paul interpreted him to be. Uh, Jesus just sort of evolved into uh, believing that he was the son of God. But that's in pretty clear contradiction to most of the scriptural uh, evidence uh, where Jesus is at great pains to describe himself as the Messiah and as the Son of God. Uh, one of the things he does when he uh, comes into Jerusalem in the last week of his life is he borrows a donkey and rides in the last part of the way. And it's not because he's tired. It's because he knows the prophecy in Zechariah that, uh, the, that your Messiah will come to you riding on a donkey. And so he comes to the city limits just for that purpose. And uh, to the people of Jericho, where Zacchaeus, the wee little man, was, uh, when they grumbled about what Jesus was doing, Jesus responded, I have come to seek and save the lost. And I've heard sermons about, well, that was Jesus' mission statement, how wonderful he thought of that and could narrow that down. Well, the fact of the matter is, Jesus is quoting God in Ezekiel, where God says, I myself will seek and save the lost. Translation, Jesus was telling everybody in Jericho, I'm God. Their jaws must have dropped. N.T. Wright, in a wonderful book called How God Became King, displays all the things that the Jews were looking for in the Messiah and how Jesus intentionally played those things out in his life. He makes a claim. He claims to be the truth. I want to talk with you a little bit this morning about what that might mean for us to hear and receive Jesus as uh, the truth. And the first thing is I think we need to take seriously something that's very hard for us as Westerners, that the truth is a person, not a theory. That the truth is a person, not a set of facts or a proposition. We need to take seriously that Jesus claims to be the truth. The late Dallas Willard put it this way. We need to recover that Jesus was the smartest man who ever lived. And he's the smartest man on any subject. Boy, Christians will backpedal away from that one as quick as they can. Surely Jesus doesn't know anything about my field, where I am. And we immediately backpedal assuming that there must be a variety of kinds of truth. 
where Jesus seems to be claiming that the truth is going to be derivative from this one truth that is a person, and that person is Jesus. Well, I think it follows for me that if the truth is a person, then the truth of Jesus is discovered not necessarily, first of all, through debate, study, or inquiry, but it's discovered the way any other person is discovered, and that is in relationship. We come to know Jesus by interacting with him, relating to him, in ways that books about Jesus, as wonderful as they are, and I've read a boatload of them, can never do for us. To know someone is different from knowing about someone. And I, I know I've shared this with you before, that we live in a world where our phones and our computers have come to know a lot about us. But do they really know us? This summer, I took my uh, youngest son up to Columbia, South Carolina. He was doing an internship with one of our former pastors, Mark Williams. And then I flew home from Columbia to San Antonio. Well, once I made the reservation, I got all sorts of special travel deals and places to stay in San Antonio. Well, they were very nice, reasonably priced, but, you know, I kind of like where I am. My phone knew a lot, but it didn't really know me. It, ha- it can't interact with me in a personal way. And it's the same way I can read all about Jesus. I can give you the facts, the figures, if they can be discovered. But that doesn't really tell me who he is until I begin to be in relationship with him and we begin to interact with each other. Now, one of the ways we interact is through prayer. And that's pretty amazing because we like our study to be more objective. But one of the things about, um, about relationship with Jesus is we can come to know Jesus by being in this prayer relationship with Jesus, with Jesus as the Holy Spirit, says the scripture, testifies to our spirit. You know, I can study a lot of things, but I haven't studied anything where the spirit of what I was studying actually could communicate with me. You know, I, I can read all about this year's football team, but there's nothing in that team that reaches out into my heart and communicates me. I can study about putting this thing together or taking something apart, but it doesn't reach out to me. And we don't have a relationship spirit to spirit. So that's one of the advantages. We can know Jesus. Even though he walked on this earth 2,000 years ago, we can know him as if he walked with us today because it's spirit to spirit. And there's another way, though. We know him through other people. This is what Paul picked up on so brilliantly. Paul knew that we who followed Jesus and loved Jesus were his body. We are the body of Christ. We are the temple of God. And so one of the ways that people get to know about Jesus and we get to know about Jesus is by interacting with people who do know Jesus. That is one of the ways I learn about Jesus is to be with other people. And I can learn in a way that's personal and in a way that is different than just reading it on a piece of paper. Um, when, when we uh, come to the end of next month, we're going to be starting a, another round of training for Stephen Ministry. And you may know what Stephen Ministry is. is When people are in life's transition, they're in crisis. It's somebody walks alongside of them and listens to them or, and uh, visits with them, supports and encourages them. And one of the powerful things is when this happens, people learn about the love of Jesus. It's one thing to read on a piece of paper, Jesus loves me. It's another to have someone with flesh on caring for me in the midst of my situation. Several years ago, I remember I was standing right over here. We had a guest speaker, and, and, and someone uh, had come up to the guest speaker and, and said to, the, to her, um, 
you know, I, I just, I don't want to get involved in church because I've had the church hurt me so many times. And she said it very clearly and I heard it. She said, honey, that wasn't Jesus that hurt you. That was the church. Oh, that was such a satisfying answer. But it was so wrong because Jesus and the church, they're really tied together. Now, it doesn't mean the church gets it perfect, but we are the body of Christ, and what we do with others helps them to know or not know Jesus. So one of the beautiful things is, even though I didn't live in the first century, through the witness of the Spirit as I, as I pray, and through associating with other people who know Jesus, I come to know him because the truth is known in relationship. Now, there's a few more things I'd like to say about the truth but I want to give you kind of the uh, uh, truth in advertising. I've learned this from reading a rabbi named Jonathan Sachs who doesn't believe in Jesus. But I reason this. If Jesus is Jewish, then Jesus would understand the Jewish concept of how truth operates. And so the more I can know about that, the more I can see Jesus. And I, there's some things that occurred to me as I studied him this week and, uh, and what he said about Jews and truth. And I want to pass some of them on to you. Uh, the first one is this, to borrow the Latin terms, if you can remember from your writing classes, truth in Jesus is more E period, G period, than I period, E period. In other words, you're writing a paper and you go, E-G, do you remember what that was for? That means, for example. And you give concrete examples. Now, I never do it right. I do I-E and then give concrete examples. But that's wrong. I-E, that is, means I just give... I just tell some more about my theory. And truth is lived and learned and concrete example for the Jews, and I think for Jesus, not in abstract theory. There's nothing wrong with theory. But it's the example that helps the theory come alive. So one of the things we'll need to know is that for the Jews, truth can be communicated in a variety of ways. You know, for us, truth is can we verify it through um, propositions that just cannot be assailed or through facts, that uh, historical facts that we can agree on. For the Jews, story, story is, a ma- is a method of truth. M- metaphor and pictures are a mode of communicating truth. A mighty fortress is our God. Well, the Western mind would say, well, how big are those walls? God, how big are your walls? How high is your fortress? And the Jews know that's a picture to talk about the strength of God, and that is every bit as true as anything we could say about God. But it's, it's, it's in a concrete example, or it's in a picture, and it's not in a series of propositions that are argued or even in facts. A lot of us who are Western Christians, like me, are a little bit like the old guys in Dragnet. Can some of you remember that that far back to Sergeant Friday in Dragnet? Remember, he's working on a case, and he says, just the facts, ma'am. Well, what Jesus knows and what the Eastern mind knows is the facts are not truth. There's a world of difference between facts and truth. And truth can be communicated and apprehended in a lot of ways. And one of the ways it's apprehended is by watching the example of those living according to the truth and living it ourselves. Let me say this another way. We learn the truth of Jesus as we do the things Jesus asks us to do. We learn the truth of Jesus as we do what he asks us to do. So I can sit there and study him from a distance, but there's a part of me that's going to really miss him. Or I can get in there and live the way he told me to live, do the things he told me to do, and his truth comes alive in my life. I participate in the truth. 
and my understanding grows. Now, the corollary from this is probably pretty clear to you, which is to say that anytime I'm not living by that truth, then I'm going to be witnessing against that truth for other people who are looking. I'll say it this way. I look for truth to be proven by the results it yields in people's lives. You follow this truth, I want to see how you live. I follow that truth, you need to see how I live. What kind of person is the truth I am following producing? Now, I'm not calling on perfection from us, but I'm just calling on a a serious realization that many people are measuring Jesus by what they see in us and that we also grow in our understanding of the truth as we live that truth ourselves. I know I've told you before, I've been four times with Ray Vanderland to Israel, and every trip somebody will say to him, this is amazing, how did the Jews miss it? This is so amazing. Why, why didn't they worship Jesus? And his response is always the same. Because they believe you can measure the worth and value of a rabbi by looking at the disciples. And when you saw the disciples in the 11th and 12th and 13th century running around on crusades, indiscriminately killing people, even their own people, you got to wonder about that Messiah. They didn't live up to the truth of Jesus. And we can measure the truth of anything by looking at the results that it produces. And so concrete example becomes very critical. Another way I've thought of it is this, and and it's almost embarrassing, but I hope it will help you to, you know, to tell you that I think apprehending Jesus is more an Eastern process, but I'm going to outline some Western ways to grasp it. Let me try this one on you, send you back to your college years. I believe truth as experienced in Jesus is more Piaget than Plato. Do you remember Plato? Plato taught that truth was eternal, truth was timeless, and we could just grasp it. And when we had the truth, we had the whole truth. And we could get it all. Well, the reality is, biblically speaking, only God has the whole truth in front of God at any one time. The rest of us are learning the truth as we go. Child development people, do you remember Piaget? Jean Piaget, who explained to us that, you know, a child can't walk until they first crawl, and there are stages that children go through, and there are things that you can give them at one stage that, that they will not be able to grasp because they haven't gone through the stages to get there. And so by this understanding of truth, as the longer we live, the more we journey, the more we'll understand the truth of Jesus. I think so much of what we've done since the um, Reformation is we told people, well, just believe Jesus and, and everything is just immediately clear. And we walk down the aisle and we join the church, we give our heart to Jesus or whatever, and we think we got it all. We got nothing. We got just the start. We have just a kernel, and it grows in us over time. None of us have mastered this truth of Jesus, nor will we. But it is possible to be further in that truth next year than we are this year, because truth comes in not all at once, but in stages. And sometimes God has to bring us or allow us a stage to teach us something. I I can tell you, I've probably learned more about Jesus when I faced rejection and disappointment and failure than when I faced acclamation and success. There were just some things I couldn't learn the other way. But I could learn this way. I didn't have it all at once. I don't have it now. 
But hopefully I'll live more into it this year than I did last year. The truth develops in us and grows in us. And then finally, I just came downstairs from the confirmation class, and, and, um, and this is essentially what I told them uh, because they're on a search that will take them from now till May. The sad thing is a lot of them think it may that that search is over. And it's not. And I told them in our house the TV is often on ESPN or it's on HGTV, which we call ESPN for mom. And so I've, I've learned. You know, I've learned that house hunting is, is a long process. They only show us the three, but they've looked at more. And I've learned that there's a difference between looking for a hotel and looking for a house. Hotels are convenient. Hotel, I can check in when, when it pleases me, it serves me, it seems helpful or convenient, and then I can check out. And I can go to the hotel when I need it, and I can figure which hotel best serves my needs at this time. And I'm in, and I'm out, and I'm in, and I'm out. But home... Home, that's where I come from. That's where I go to. That's what I carry with me every place I am. And the difference about Jesus and other truths is Jesus is a home, not a hotel. He is the place from which we live. We are launched from Jesus. We return to Jesus. We are with Jesus in between. He makes an astounding promise in the 14th chapter of John, uh, just a few verses after I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He says, if you love me and obey my commandments, my Father and I will make our home in you. Home. That's what he is. That's who he is. Not just for certain moments, but for all of life. And the beautiful thing about this home is the longer we live in it, the more we learn about it. The beautiful thing about this home is the more we live in it, the more our eyes are open to others who are living in the home, and then our eyes are turned to the neighborhood around us. See, I think the beautiful thing about Jesus as the truth for me is that he's opened my eyes to me, and I had a lot to learn about me, but he's also opening my eyes to others. That's the beautiful thing. Having a home has allowed me now to start looking at the neighborhood. There's a story of a great rabbi from the 19th century, and he uh, one day is engrossed in seeking the truth and studying the scriptures and studying writings about the scripture. And, And so engrossed is he that his baby starts crying and he doesn't hear. But his father, the baby's grandfather, hears and goes into the room after the baby's cried quite some time, comforts the baby, gets the baby settled and taken care of, and eventually, after the baby's settled, goes back to where his son, the great rabbi, is pouring over the scriptures. And he says to him, did you hear your baby cry? And he said, no, no, you know, I'm just, I'm engrossed in this search and, 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 and finding this truth to come alive for me. And his father said this, he said, well... I don't know what truth it is that you're studying. But if it prevents you from hearing the cries of a baby, it's not the truth. And I think that's what I'm learning. The beautiful thing about the truth of Jesus is he's heard my cries. And I'm learning that he cares about me. But the even more beautiful thing about the truth of Jesus 
as he's tuning my heart and ears now to hear the cries of others.